We believe that not just babies are born, mothers are born too. We're your hosts, Lara, a labor and delivery nurse and aspiring midwife, and Melissa, a mother and doula. Welcome to Motherbirth, a space for thought-provoking and inspirational conversations about birth and the deep exploration of what it means to become a mother. Hello, everybody, and Merry Christmas. It's Laura from Mother Birth, and I just wanted to say thank you and happy holidays. Um, we thought this time of year would be a good time to kind of reflect on all the women who've been on the show and also just to say to our audience, thank you so much. Um, this year has been such a blessing and, um, I don't know, just a beautiful surprise. I think we have just really loved all the women who've come into our lives because of the podcast and all of you that listen and have shared with the other women in your lives. It means a lot to us and it keeps our passion going and, um, on that same note, we really thought about doing something special for Christmas since we happen to be coming out on this day. And we thought of three women who shared this year on the show about how building their families and giving birth gave them an invaluable gift. For all three of these women, giving birth and building their family gave them their career. And all three women also happen to have their career be something they're very passionate about. So the first person we're going to hear from is Miss Jen McClellan. And if you haven't listened to her episode yet, go back and listen. It's episode five. Um, Jen came to us through the internet, which is kind of where her story starts too. She's going to be sharing in this clip about how becoming a mom and being plus size really left her at a loss when she looked for information online. She didn't find any information that was really about her. So through the process of getting pregnant, giving birth, and heading into her postpartum season, Jen said, I should be that person. And she became that person for, honestly, over 100,000 women. Jen is really online, the, be the best resource for plus-size women, and we were just so privileged to have her on. So again, you're going to be listening to a story from Jen McClellan. And if you want to hear her full episode, it's episode five. Why don't we just launch right into what brought you to starting that project in the first place. You said you first started blogging and everything about six years ago. Is that when your, is that when your son was born? Yeah, it starts a little before then. I found out um, in January of 2010 that I was pregnant. It was like January 2nd or something. So we, we get to forgive ourselves for everything that happened on New Year's Eve, right? If we, if we, <laughs> we didn't know, yep. if we didn't know we were pregnant. Um, and I was super, super excited. And my, my husband was at work and he works nights. Um, and I see these extravagant posts on Facebook of these partners setting up these glorious, we're pregnant announcements. And yeah. I just picked up the phone and called my husband in the middle of a work review and told <laughs> him, so I don't know how to wait. I was too excited, but I was alone after that conversation. So I went, mm -hmm. I went online and, um, I read that I would develop complications because I am plus size. I read that I would have a cesarean birth. And I also read that I was a horrible person for wanting to become a mother as a plus size woman. And you know, I've been, I've been big since puberty. So this has been you know, the story of my life, but I'd never really allowed it to hold me back. And yeah. My mother had natural childbirths and she had always talked about it. And that was important to me. The idea of having a cesarean scared me because of just recovering as a larger person, let alone, you know, having 
you know, that entry into motherhood that can be so emotional that so many of my friends had shared. Um, so I really was proactive with my health. I was like, you know, I've, I've never been a statistic and I don't want to be a statistic. So I fell in love with water aerobics. I ate healthier than I ever had. And five months into my pregnancy, while I was doing water aerobics with a friend, she's like, I hired a doula. And I was like, oh, I think I know what a doula is. I watched the business of being born. And she's like, you need a doula. You know, as those conversations often happen for people get connected with a doula. And we just had this one woman come to our house. And she was so tiny. She was like the size of my arm. Um, But she was so (laughs) nice. And she was like the first person that was like, what do you mean you're high risk? Like you don't have gestational diabetes. You just told me you're in love with water aerobics and like what you are, you're healthy. Like, so what that you're plus size, like you're being healthier than most of the moms I work with. Like we like basically get over yourself. And I think I needed to hear that. It wasn't like, you know, butterfly. Oh, you're, you're okay. It was more like, okay, like move on. Like, so she was pretty much like, let's have a home birth. (laughs) I was horrified. (laughs) And my husband was like, okay. Um, and I wasn't, I mean, good for anyone who wants a home birth, but I didn't trust my body. You know, I, I didn't know what my body was capable of. And I kept on waiting for my body to fail. And, um, so we ended up switching to the midwifery model of care. I cried when I fired my OB cause that's just me, but, um, <laughs> hired a wonderful midwife at, uh, an outstanding hospital here in Colorado, uh, Denver health. And it, it changed everything. My care went from 15 minute visits to 45 minute visits. And when I talk about it, I, I share that my, my care provider was the first person to ever touch my body with compassion. Mm. And as someone who's been plus size my whole life going to the doctor, I mean, it's not fun for anyone, but especially when so many things just get related back to your weight and then to have someone touch your body in a way that is so loving and so kind as so many midwives are, um, it just, it started to change this narrative that had been in my head. While I've always been kind of that fat, confident girl inside, there's always that self doubt and self hate. And it just really started between my doula and my midwife to be like, Hey, like you, you can do this. And I, I'd ask my midwife, like, well, I read online that I'm going to have a 10 pound baby. She'd be like, that's what your hips are for. Um, <laughs> so you, you can, can birth it. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, your body's made for your baby. It turns out. Right. Yeah. So it just, it just really started to change all these things in my head. But meanwhile, I would go online and I'd spend hours. Like I remember hours just looking for images of larger pregnant women. It was mm-hmm. so hard to find. And and to this day, go to Barnes and Noble and pick up any baby magazine and you're not going to pregnancy magazine and you're not going to see plus size women. So right. it was a real, real frustration because here I am on this journey of trying to be healthy and proactive and everything I'm reading online is like doomsday. <laughs> and it's just, right. it was ridiculous. Um, and I, so I went into labor and I mean, that's a whole story that I could tell, but we don't need to spend time on it, but it was amazing. It was, I really wanted that natural childbirth and I had prepared for it. 
Um, and it was the most incredible experience of my life. And there came a point in time through 16 hours of labor where I had to let go and I had to trust my body as I'm pushing out this baby on my knees of all positions. And Mm -hmm. that was so powerful for my, my doula actually said, like, listen to your body. And it was this whole moment of, oh my gosh, like I have to really turn my brain off and trust that my body knows what to do. And it was, it was transformative. And, and I gave birth on my knees and my husband caught our son. And then he was passed from between my legs. And it was, I had never been so high in my life. Like it was just, it was the most incredible experience of my body is stronger than I ever could have fathomed. I'm a mother. Oh my God, this baby's so much cuter than I ever thought it would be. Like all of these emotions flooding. And then it was just this realization for the next few months of like, why have I hated myself for so long? And why did I question that I would even, you know, be able to be, have a healthy outcome? And, and, you know, as, as we all know, motherhood, going into it is exhausting in this new adventure. <laughs> you, you know, sometimes you don't know which way's up and which way's down and you're just getting through it. So it was about four months, um, after my son was born that I just, I had gone back to work by then and was kind of settling back into routine. And I just really wanted to tell my story because I could not have been the first fat woman to ever have a healthy pregnancy and get birth on her knees. Like there's just, there's no way, but my story wasn't easy to find on the internet. Um, and I had no idea what I was doing, blogging. I really had no clue. So I picked like the longest name ever (laughs) plus size mommy memoirs. I knew I wanted plus size and mommy, but like stories were gone. Like all the good stuff was gone, of course. So I'm like, memoirs. Um, and I wrote the first blog post six years ago on April 6th. Um, and it was just, what is plus size mommy memoirs? And it, I had no idea that it would change my whole life. Um, and it was really an incredibly exciting thing that transformed. Cause I started a Facebook page on the same day and I thought, Oh, it'd be fun if like I got 50 followers in a month and I got 50 followers in a couple days and it just, wow. that it started like that. And it's still is going. <laughs> well, I'm sure that so many women experience had the same experience as you, like they got pregnant or were considering becoming pregnant and couldn't find the information that they were looking for that related to them. That was, you know, made sense to them. And, and, and so they found you, yeah, they found you. Absolutely. You know, six years ago, obviously Facebook was, had opened up to the public and wasn't just for colleges and, and was big, but I feel like there weren't as many group. I don't even think groups had started no, yet. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, so there wasn't it. really a lot. Mom communities were just really starting to become popular on Facebook and there wasn't one specifically for plus size women. So that's really, it was just the timing of everything and it just literally exploded. And it, it, it is unique. Like women of size often have bellies that look more like B's than D's, but that's not something you're usually going to talk about with a thin friend. And, you know, there were so, there's so many little nuances that you just don't necessarily feel comfortable even talking to your mom about. So that's what became so powerful. And for me, it was really, I was very intentional that, okay, social media 
is such an ugly place. And that's where it really started for me was, you know, reading things online and reading comments online. God, this is so ugly and awful. And I don't, I, if I'm going to be spending so much time online building a community, I, I will create a safe space. And that has always been my mission. Um, especially for plus size women, we get, we get treated poorly in many areas. So, um, I really wanted to create a, a safe body positive space. We absolutely loved hearing from Jen about her empowering experience and how it birthed this desire to help other women access the same exact thing, believing that every woman deserves to trust her body and receive great care. You can check out the full conversation with Jen on the podcast. It's episode number five. Now we're going to share another inspiring conversation with Steph Crowder from episode four of the podcast. Steph also experienced a transformation around her career perspective and goals when she became a mom and found an amazing way to pursue meaningful work while being present as a mother. Like Melissa said, I'm Steph and I am one third of uh, Fizzle.co, which is a company that Chase, Melissa's husband, co-founded with Corbett Barr. It is a training platform and community for entrepreneurs, creatives, and freelancers. About two years ago, I joined those guys and I run um, our customer service as well as membership And uh, I'm also a podcaster. I podcast on The Fizzle Show as well as my own podcast called Courage and Clarity, which is a um, podcast that's really geared towards female entrepreneurs who are seeking inspiration and instruction for running their own businesses. So that's a little bit about what I do. I live in Chicago. Uh, My daughter, Madeline, is 10 months old and I live with my husband and our dog. Um, You know, for me, the journey to motherhood has been... I was thinking about this before we got on. I I was, my first instinct is that I was like, well, it's been rather straightforward, but then the more I think about it, of course, it's not as simple as it appears, I guess. I think from a career perspective, it's been a really interesting journey and one that, um, if I really think about it has kind of changed my entire vision for my whole life. Um, Mm. I was not one of those kids that played with dolls growing up. Like, and the funny thing about that is I felt, I think I felt like I should, (laughs) you know, I, you know, people would get me dolls or I would see, not that my parents, my parents did not care, bless them. They were, they wanted me to be whoever I was, but my friends that I would make, or just, you know, people I would meet who were other girls my age would be really into it. Um, family members, cousins, things like that. And I remember trying to get into it. Uh, even that, isn't that funny? Like at a young age feeling Mm -hmm. as though I should like it. And if I tried to put my baby to bed or whatever, maybe I'd have fun with it, but I just couldn't get into it. I was more into coloring and animals. And as I got older, uh, it became, I'm the oldest in my family and it became more and more clear that I was, um, driven by achievement (laughs) in, in, in a a classic way. School, um, started having aspirations of the future, what my career would look like. Um, when I was in middle school, I begged my parents to help me put on my wall, like a floor to ceiling mural of New York city. I really believed I would be like a CEO in, <laughs> in New York city in some yeah. high rise, like living this. I truly, that like, that is the vision I had for my life. 
And I remember saying something like this to my parents when I was about that age, middle school. And I said, just sort of like nonchalantly to my parents, I'll, I'm not having kids. Hmm. And my mom cried and I was so confused <laughs> why. And she, she thought it was a comment on her parenting. And it's so, I, my, by the way, my parents, I'm so very close to them. Um, they showed nothing but like an amazing example for parenthood. So I don't really even know where this came from in me other than I think achievement always felt really good. And it's interesting to me that at such a young age, I didn't really... I couldn't possibly have the information that would later present itself to me or the perspective rather that motherhood would really complicate this vision that I had for myself. Um, and I don't think that happened until I was really in the professional realm. So, you know, I went to college, I continued to do well there. Um, I got a great job here in Chicago. I was working for Groupon for five years. I started on the ground floor of that company and quickly grew, uh, at a young age to a director level position. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was around this time, you know, through those five years, I, I got married. Um, John and I were college sweethearts. So we were always living here in Chicago together. And, and through that time we did get married and, yeah, we both knew. So somewhere along the way, my, my eighth grade self had changed and I did start to feel I would want to have kids someday, but it was always someday, right? It was never, you know, I never thought to myself, uh, okay, well, here's how like the logistics, I guess I always thought the logistics would kind of present themselves or it would be, I just would worry about that later. And in the meantime, I was just going to like chase, you know, the best job I could possibly have and money and ego and all these other things that feel important when I think are taught we're taught that they're important. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. you get out there and I got to, uh, this great, you know, job and I grew, like I said, up the ranks. And I just remember getting to this point where I'm going in every day early. I liked, I was the, you know, first in last out old school mentality, trying to impress people above me, which I did pretty well. Cause I figured out the rules of the game pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty simple. It's pretty simple to do what they want. You know, it just yeah. imp- impress them. And, I remember kind of looking around and I got to a point where the only women who were above me and luckily, I mean, wonderfully, there were women in high leadership positions, which I know is not always the case in some companies these days. Um, the only women above me, it was like, there was one of two types. There was one type that had just decided that children were not in their future period. Mm -hmm. And they were happy with that. Not, not begrudgingly, as far as I could tell. And then there was a second kind of woman where her husband stayed home. And I was seeing that more and more where she was in at 8 a.m. and home at 7 p.m. And, you know, uh, fortunately enough for their family, they chose that the, you know, father would stay home, which I thought was great and admirable and really cool to be part of that. But the more I was immersed in this and I saw these two types, I did not see any other types. That was all there was. It was women who had intentionally chosen uh, to forego parenthood and women who had chosen for their partners to stay home with kids. And uh, man, I just, I, I couldn't, I didn't, that didn't feel right with me. Um, And that was really hard. You know, I had worked super hard. Like I was the eighth grader with the New York city mural on my wall with aspirations of being a CEO. I used to ask my parents to drop me off at a Barnes and Noble when I was in middle school. So I could work on my writing. I was crazy. I was like, just so, I don't, they probably thought I was, I don't know. They were like, what's wrong with this kid? But you know, and then, so to get to this point where I was, I don't know, maybe 25 or 26 and, and I was like, Whoa, okay, this is what they mean when you hear you can't have it all. And I, I was really confused at that point. Uh, I didn't know what to do. And I did know I was starting to get to a point where, you know, having a baby was, uh, appealing to me or started to feel like something that I actually wanted to do. And, 
that was really, that was hard. I was not sure. Uh, and I dealt with a lot of ego stuff. I was, you know, I felt like I had worked so hard and I had earned all this salary and I didn't really know, I didn't really know what to do next in terms of being able to have the family life and also be present, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was, that was really confusing. Yeah. I'm so glad we're having this conversation because you're, that's so similar to my story. And Mm -hmm. I spent my, you know, my adolescence and my early adulthood the same way and chasing those same achievements and, and, you know, not for bad reasons. I mean, I was legitimately driven to enjoy those things and to pursue them. Um, but I, you know, had the same dilemma of like, how do I be this person and have this family life? And for me, what it looked like is the first time around with my first son, I just, I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to immerse those or, you know, combine those two worlds in any kind of effective or, you know, um, enjoyable way. And it's been a really long journey. You are, you, you are so, it's so great that you're figuring this out now. Mm -hmm. Um, and that you started this journey even before becoming a mother Mm -hmm. instead of waiting and, you know, being five years into having kids and, and a career and realizing I never see my kids or, you know, whatever that ends up looking like for people. So what, Mm -hmm. what did it look like then to kind of immerse these different ideas? Yeah. Well, it's funny that you, what you just said is really interesting because it just jogged my memory. I, I reached a point where I definitely would describe myself as grasping. I was grasping for answers and I was turning a lot of different places. I remember reading Lean In by mm-hmm. Sheryl Sandberg and that only confused me and only frustrated me because yeah. her advice was essentially don't worry about it until you're until you know until you're in that position she basically says that a lot of women leave the workforce or worry about these things quote before you need to worry about them like before mm-hmm. you have the baby and so part of me was sort of like okay maybe exactly what you just said Melissa like maybe I just need to let it happen and have a baby and like see what happens but I was just so uncomfortable with that I just yeah. me so 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 that was one option I knew of and then and meanwhile, I, this is where, so this is really interesting. Cause like all of these things that changed in my life were kind of happening at once. At the same time, I started becoming interested in entrepreneurship and mm-hmm. I started listening to, I don't even know how really how this began for me, but I started listening to podcasts, like podcasts became something in my life. And mm-hmm. I would listen to smart passive income by Pat Flynn as an example. And he's an example of somebody who is a parent mm-hmm. and talked about this like alternative uh, lifestyle that he was living, where he was, he said that his why for creating an online business was he wants to be able to pick his kids up uh, every day from school. And all the all the parents at the school are like, what is your job that allows you both to be here? And yeah. that really stuck with me. I heard that. And I, th- I started that once I heard that, I really couldn't let it go. I was like, man, this there's people out there like this guy. And eventually I found Fizzle and, and Chase and Corbett, who I later joined, which is super weird because I listened to their podcast forever. <laughs> and these guys were like all doing the thing and living the life. And I was like, if these people can do this, like this is when I started to believe maybe there was an opportunity for me to not lose myself because it, it, it has always been important to me and has never stopped being important throughout my whole journey, pre-pregnancy, being pregnant, and then even in motherhood. I never lost my desire to have meaningful work that has just always been present. And once I started hearing and like, just, I started just getting addicted to these stories of parents out there, you know, entrepreneurship in general was interesting because, you know, 
hashtag digital nomad, whatever people, you know, there's like, I know this appeals to people for a number (laughs) of reasons. And it's like the buzz of today to go out there and do this type of work where you can work from your laptop. That was all like interesting to me. But the number one thing were these stories I was hearing from people who were like, you know, able to be there for their kids and also do really cool, meaningful work. So Mm -hmm. once I knew that that was an option, I just started like relentlessly pursuing that. Um, which like you said, it's funny because I didn't even have a baby. I wasn't pregnant. I just, I think I did crave. I wanted to be in a place where I felt like I had a game plan for what my family would look like, uh, before I went ahead and did that. So that's kind of how I got, you know, like I said, that's how I was introduced to this whole world. That's how I, you know, started, I joined the physical community as a member trying to build my own business and, and ultimately was able to join the team, um, as an employee, which has, of course has totally given me exactly what I was hoping for. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, I think that the, to answer your question, like, how did I combine those two things? I think that once I knew that there were people out there who were making this work, I just remember thinking like, why can't I do that? You know, but yeah. it wasn't that simple. It was hard because there was that other half of my brain that did look at these like women in my company who were smashing it and they're making, I don't even know how much money. And, and I struggled with that, you know, yeah. because that was always how I that was always the measuring stick for my life. I, you know, my dad, I think a classic kind of dad of his generation, I would, whenever I would call him for career advice. And one of his first questions would be, well, what's the salary like, or what's the money like? So I did feel I had to kind of unravel some of the things that, um, I had always judged my success on and instead look at this, um, this part of my life that doesn't have a monetary value necessarily, but it is worth money to me, you know, Mm -hmm. to be able to parent in the way that I want to parent as well as have meaningful work. I love listening back to Steph Crowder's story and how she really made moves in her own life to make room for her family. And though I wish we lived in a world where we didn't have to do that, I see so much power in what she's doing and also the work she's doing now to help women become entrepreneurs. And again, if you want to listen to uh, Steph's episode, it's episode four. And if you want to listen to her interview other powerful women who are taking the entrepreneur challenge and out in the world, her, her podcast is called Courage and Clarity. We definitely encourage you to go over and listen to that. This next episode um, clip is from Lauren Falconer, and she was episode 17 in the show. Um, Again, we just recommend you go back and listen to these women's stories, but this clip in particular is about how Lauren really found that same space in her pregnancy and birth where she felt like women need to be tapping into this energy. Women need to be listening to their hearts, listening to their spirits and being empowered by this experience. And Lauren has since then given her life to that. And um, yeah, tune in and listen to her story. And Lauren is from Australia. So you'll definitely hear that in her voice. And we'll have things in the show notes for her resources. My son, I was an actress and that was, that had been my whole life that I had done that since I could remember. And mm-hmm. I had trained at a, a really fabulous drama school in the UK. And it's kind of a bit of a weaving around story, but from Sydney to London was very intense. And I found a yoga studio over there that was so beautiful and it became my sanctuary and Mm. then that took me to yoga teaching and from yoga teaching one of the first classes I started teaching was prenatal yoga and I'd never done it before but was so keen to work with these women and did and loved it and then from there fell pregnant but was already a little bit in that world 
And that was it. The falling pregnant was just this catalyst that I think for so many women, it, it, it's like this. It just, it changed my life in so many ways. And that was mm-hmm. really what took me to, to birth work. And I wanted to know everything. And I, I felt like I didn't know very much at that point. So yeah, I dived so deeply into it all. And straight away found how I could become a doula. And I did that while I was pregnant. And then I went and did the Calm Birth Weekend, which is a really popular birthing education course in Australia Hmm. and loved it and just felt what a difference it, it made. Because when I was pregnant, so many fears came up that were unexpected and that I knew were not going to help me during that experience Mm, at all. So when I went and did that and I just, I I really felt the power of preparation and Mm. I felt the women's mysteries and I felt the spiritual aspect to this experience and the whole thing just changed my life. And I think after birthing my baby, I wanted to share that with other women so much. Mm-hmm. And that's that's how it happened. I had my baby, and after four months, I started my my business, which was and a whole other story and <laughs> and really a little crazy yeah. to start something at four when you've got a four month old baby. <laughs> yeah, I but have a four month old right now. So yeah, yeah. See, <laughs> it's possible, really, right? <laughs> it's <is> possible. <laughs> and you know, the thing I felt was I was in so much creation at that time. I had created this baby. I had birthed this baby and I felt so full of all of that, that, that life. And I wanted to Mm -hmm. share it while it was so in me. Um, I now know that it's still in me and not going anywhere, but yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. Actually amazing time. Yeah. It sounds, I, I love the way you just described that, like the season of creation. And I think that so many times being pregnant, you know, can be a, a draining and exhausting experience for women. And, and there can be a lot of focus on that. And obviously oh. transitioning to having a newborn and, you know, caring for a child can be, you know, can be really a, a crazy time in women's lives too. And I'm sure that you also experience that, but I love how you're able to really focus on and remember it as this time of creation, this time where you were just so full of this creative energy that gave you so many different opportunities. Yeah. And I like that you talked about being called to this work just because I feel like some people, you know, like you said, some of it can come from a personal experience and some of it can come from just an an activation. So your activation happened to be your personal experience, but I have so Mm -hmm. many friends who do this work and it, it was like they, when they look back on it, it's like one day or something happened or a movement in my life. And I felt like this was my call. And I just started taking the steps, you know, you started you know, you did doula training and it happened, you know, quickly for you versus maybe some other folks. But I feel like oftentimes people don't know where to start. And I think it's following that call, mm-hmm. like listening to that voice. And that's really important because not everybody has that. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And I think that um, when something is so strong in you, regardless of what that is, it's impossible not to to follow it and Mm -hmm. I um at that time was very attached to my acting work and it was a very strange feeling that my life's calling had just dropped in my lap and I think that's how I kept describing it at that time it was that I found what I was meant to do in this world and now I find that I'm melding my acting ability and work in with what I'm 
doing, as similar to what you ladies are doing as well, to be able to express it and share it with other people. And yeah. I think that's something that's mm-hmm. it's just a really beautiful vehicle to be able to share with lots of women and normalize yeah. this experience too and, and normalize but also bring it back to the sacred as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, we can't wait to hear more about your perspective on that, you know, with yeah. the work you do with Spirit Birth, mm-hmm. but I love that and I love the language you use around intuition and that is very much what we talk about on the show and in, you know, our, our lives as well is just that, that listening, you know, that, that, um, inner very, it it is, it is a very spiritual experience and, you know, people listening to the show have all kinds of different backgrounds and, you know, belief, belief sets and all of that. But I think that we, you know, we all experience maybe sometimes through different lenses, but we all, we all experience the transformation of motherhood as a very spiritual time and a very spiritual experience. So tell us, tell us a little bit about what the transition to motherhood was like for you and, and just how you actually felt about being a mother when your son was young, Mm. giving birth. Yeah. Yeah, Tell us about giving birth too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I felt young. I, I mean, I know I wasn't particularly young. I was 30 when I had Phoenix, but I, I felt quite young. And I feel like I wasn't particularly prepared, actually, at all, really, for that transition. And I mean that in I was prepared as in I'd done this doula training and I'd done calm birth and all of that stuff. But I felt this this kind, this lacking in terms of having had stories told to me from a young age or I hadn't, I didn't have this uh, full and whole picture of what it was like to give birth or to be a mother. I feel Mm. now I talk about it a little bit in terms of we have all these holes in our stories for a lot of us, not for everybody, of course, but there was quite a lot of holes for me in terms of my pictures around what I could visualize around the birthing experience and the mothering Mm -hmm. experience. And I find that women definitely have that at the moment in terms of images that we are given. It it really focuses on one particular part of birth, which is the second stage labor and when babies are being born. And in Mm -hmm. terms of mothering also, I think that's true. You said before that, you know, sometimes we're focusing on um, how tired we can get through the mothering experience or how stressful that can be. And there is these certain focuses that we have. So there's bits missing. And that, that definitely yeah. is what it was like for me. So at 30 and becoming a mom, um, I was a little shocked by that experience. And, and I didn't feel like I had that preparation where I'd had women talking to me and guiding me. And my mother did a great job, but I think back to the way women used to live perhaps in these communities and they would see their aunties breastfeeding and birthing mm-hmm. and their yeah. friends and their cousins and there was such a community around that um, yeah. that the wisdom was really shared. And yeah. so I guess for me one of the main things was I had no idea that my identity was going to completely shift mm-hmm. and that becoming a mother was it, my whole world was just spinning around and would never really feel the same. And I remember that when I came home from birthing Phoenix, I felt as if it's kind of a weird feeling, but I felt it was the same feeling as when you, when someone breaks up with you, that's the only way I can describe it. It was like everything looked different. Everything felt different. And it wasn't a, a sad, it wasn't a sadness as like when someone breaks up with you, but it was just that feeling of now life is different. Mm-hmm. Life is really from this moment forward, life is going to be really different. 
And yeah. I wasn't particularly prepared for that. So in the beginning, there was there was definitely some adjusting to do and the transition was a little bumpy. And I guess I definitely felt a loneliness at that mm-hmm. time. Um, but it, I obviously moved through it and, and got the support that I needed and, and talked to other mothers and women and just loved my baby. And after, you know, that, that initial transition, I did start to realize, okay, things are really different and I need some support around that and, mm. and move forward from that point. So birthing him was, you know, an incredible experience. And now I guess I talk about that in terms of what I learned from the experience rather than, mm-hmm. you know, how long it was or right. how short, you know, any of that kind of stuff. But he certainly didn't come quickly. Mm-hmm. So it taught me a lot about perseverance and patience and trust and trust to know that, you know, my body could do what it needed to do and mm-hmm. that he had his particular journey. And now I often say to mothers that we have the birth we need in order to transform into the mother that this baby has come for. And mm-hmm. I really, really believe that, that each experience is the one that we all need and that the baby needs. So so birthing him was um, enlightening and awakening and something that will forever, you know, teach me about who I am and about who he is. Yeah. And um, I, being with women who birth every time, I just cannot believe the magnificence of women and really the depths that we go to in that experience. And all birth too. I think that's yeah. something I really speak to with women is that this can happen in so many ways and all the ways are very sacred and all the ways that it can unfold is teaching us what we need and Mm. teaching our babies what they need as well. We love how birth and motherhood led each one of these women to the work they do today and a deeper understanding of their purpose and calling. Check out the full conversation with Lauren on the podcast. It's episode number 17. And thank you again for all your support and for an amazing year of mother birth. We've had brilliant conversations with mothers around the world. 2018 has some incredible things in store starting next week on New Year's Day. And we are going to be launching a collaboration with a mindfulness and meditation company. And we cannot wait. Don't forget to share this episode with your friends and please subscribe to the show so that we can keep you up to date on the latest and greatest. Thanks for listening to Mother Birth today. If you want to be a bigger part of our community, You can follow us on Instagram at motherbirth.co or connect with us on Facebook, where we have all kinds of behind-the-scenes stuff going on. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show and rate us in iTunes, which allows other people to find us and helps the show to grow. I think it goes without saying, but Mother Birth is a personal podcast created by Lara and Lisa. It's intended as general information. It doesn't constitute or substitute medical advice of any kind. You should always consult with your primary care provider with respect to your medical care. If you're pregnant, planning on becoming pregnant, or in the postpartum period. 